0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Heralds, Miami Marlins podcast. I'm Jordan Pearson. He's Andre Fernandez. Dre, how are you doing on this off day of a Monday?
1: It would be much better if it wasn't raining so much. It's been raining. I I thought those couple of days of sunshine were going to stick, and apparently not. And speaking of things that didn't stick, neither were my canes. I mean, I I turn on the TV and I'm watching your gators still alive in these regionals while the canes are out. Not 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 good for me, but good good for you. Have fun, have fun watching that as far as it goes.
0: Yeah, and also, well, one thing that fortunately is out with the canes being out is whatever the heck that buffalo wing milkshake thing that Mark Like Shakes tried to put out there. Again, don't get me wrong, I'm a staunch proponent, a staunch supporter of just about everything that Mark Like Shakes does. Yes, that was a head scratcher.
1: Yeah. No, I, I, I'm with you too. Out the of the, the, the sixty other, you know, shake flavors or whatever that they've had over the years, absolutely, I'm with you. Not that I've tried all of them, but you know what I mean. But I mean, that was like, are they giving out an acid? You know, right after that, like after you drink that, I mean, what was I mean, the? Is that that like a
0: celery stick sticking out on one end too? Yeah, I mean, you know I think I saw? From, from what one of my friends who actually went to the region got it. The it didn't actually have the celery and the carrots and the winged dinner, that was just for show.
1: No, that was for show. Okay,
0: it was basically from what I got told, it was more just a milkshake with hot sauce in it. Which again, separately, both things are fine together. Right. I explosive. would never do that in my life,
1: explosive and not and and and, and more explosive than their bats were all weekend. Sadly, yeah. enough.
0: Well, at, outside of game one, where yo yo was great with the three home runs game one, and it's then a, right. And then Except it, for Yo-Yo, it, yeah.
1: everyone else, yeah.
0: It went downhill from there very quickly.
1: Yep. So, yeah, well. But speaking of a team that's not very explosive these days, what occasionally they are, but not enough,
0: not consistently enough. The
1: Miami Marlins.
0: <laughs> yep. Again, the offense is – it is what it is at this point. I've gotten to the point where it's like I watch the offense like, okay, they're either scoring six runs here or they're getting – they're going to somehow find a way to get five guys on base and not score a run. And, five
1: guys on base. I'm what are we like? Mess. What are we?
0: You're sticking someone in between first and second running around? I'm, what do we mean five guys on I base? Have, I'm f- trying to figure out a way for. Well, again, leadoff runner <laughs> gets on, fielder's choice gets second guy on, oh. lo- load the bases. There are ways to get. They're, See, they're, they'll find ways to get the maximum number of people on base without actually your, your bringing anybody in. Speaking of
1: explosiveness, your your head must have exploded when you watched that insane Pensacola walk-off win the other day. That, that's oh, what that,
0: happened. That was incredible. That was incredible and just the epitome of minor leagues. And we'll talk more minor leagues in a little bit, but I just have to go on that mini tangent there. Pensacola Blue Wahoos, Marlins A affiliate, three consecutive walk-off wins to cap the weekend Friday through Sunday – Sunday was the most improbable. They go into the ninth down two runs. Troy Johnson leads off the inning by reaching on a on a fielding error. Griffin Conine then walks. And then four consecutive hit-by-pitches to the first one to load the base and then the next three to drive in the three runs to get Pensacola to win that game in walk-off fashion. I mean – and again That's this is double a this isn't low this isn't low a or the rookie level complex league stuff this is double a with guys who are potentially a step away from the big leagues where something like this happened
1: that poor that poor biloxi pitcher i mean he made he made ricky vaughn at the beginning of the movie look good in terms of his aim i mean he literally was all over the place like I, i've never seen something that such lack of like he was hitting people you name it; he was missing. He was hitting everything but the, not even the strike zone. He couldn't even keep it near the plate, let alone get a strike at, at that point. And I've never seen that. Like I, I've never, I've never even heard of that. And and you know, I've covered a lot of high schools o- baseball over the yes. years, and even at that level, I've never seen something as erratic as that.
0: Now the closest, to w- especially I got, to win a game. Yeah, the closest I got was last year when I went to Jupiter to do some some stuff with the single A team. Uh, ninth inning, they're down, I think, by two runs or something like that. A drop strike three that would have been the final out, got a runner on first, a hit, a few errors, and then I think it was like two, a hit by pitch and a walk off walk. But yeah. again, this is also low A where it's a lot of guys just finding their footing. Again, big difference I mean, between I mean, low A and three, double A, but yeah,
1: even three consecutive hit, hit three batters in a row to me like that. Yeah. I mean, maybe, but I can't even remember if it happened maybe once if ever. I mean, then again, I just covered a game this year where there were six home runs in an inning. So then again, yeah, I probably just haven't gotten there yet.
0: Yeah, again, we have our bingo boards that we'll be able to probably cross off <laughs> a lot of different things by the end of the year. But back to the big league club, uh, yeah. they went three. They went uh three and four over this last week. They took one of three against Colorado with losing, splitting that doubleheader that they had to do on Wednesday, which. It looked like they had the chance to take both, and then with that second game being the Wild, like a 13-12 final score, and then splitting the four games against San Francisco, the San Francisco Giants, a 3-0 shutout win, a walk-off win with a blowout loss, with a couple blowout losses clumped in between. Uh, at this point, they're 22-30. They're nearing a third of the way through the season. They're 8-under, 500, not in the good spot, and especially with the schedule that's coming up. At this point, they're facing the Washington Nationals to close out this homestand. They need to take two out of three at a minimum, and ideally sweep. Considering their road trip, they're about to go on with three games against the ALS-leading Astros, three games against Philadelphia Phillies, and their first four games against the NL-leading Mets coming up. If you don't, if they don't find a way to hold their ground on that, we're at the point where we can get closer and closer to saying season's just about done and it's you'll be able to say that by mid-june
1: those next three are doing this pretend this is uh was the stake <laughs> if, if uh if it doesn't go well over the next three weeks and yeah i mean yeah there's we we're talking about it there's no more you can't afford the to, 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 to the tread water at this point you can't you're you're you dug yourself too much of a hole with that skid in recent weeks and It's like now you have to now now they have to go on sustained winning streaks. And that's hard with with the situation they're in in terms of injuries right now and and all the obstacles ahead of them. So, I mean, yes, there's still more than half a season to play. But at the same time, the third wild card throws you a little bit of a lifeline. But even then, if you look at the wild card standings, already five and a half back, plus several, you know, multiple teams ahead of them it's not it, it's the situation where again you sort of find yourself where unless something really really drastic changes in the next 2 to 3 weeks you have to start looking again as you have before at the developmental side what moves you can make that are good beneficial in the long term not just the short term talking trade talking trade deadline that type of thing so and yeah i mean unfortunately we're back to that point which is something that we talked about at the beginning of the year were they realistically at a point where they could contend or at the very least show something because we did say that at the very least they needed to show something have they shown enough or is this or is this season you know a little bit of a is i don't i wouldn't call it so much a failure because i didn't expect that much to happen this year yet i really thought they were still a little more away, but you did want to see them advance enough where you took a leap in that direction. And I don't know, you know, twenty-two and thirty, they still could maybe if they finish strong, finish a little stronger than they're doing right now. And and again, considering they're in a bad spot, but you know, I, I think a lot in in the grand scheme of things, it's going to be interesting next year what happens in a lot of areas on this team because. You have some pieces already coming coming into place of what you want to be in the long run, but we're, they're still kind of, they're not there yet in the formula. You know what I mean? Like they're still, some guys are underproducing some, you wonder how much longer they're going to be. So there's still a lot of pieces to the puzzle there.
0: Yeah. And as you mentioned, I was in the same boat as you about not overly thinking about the Marlins are going to be that top tier potential, like lock for a playoff team. It, if everything broke right, and as we said in the playoff preview, or in the season preview, they would need everything to break right to potentially get in the third and east. Again, with the Braves being the Braves, the Mets, I still don't understand how the Mets are doing as well as they are right now. I mean, again, I knew the Mets were going to be good, especially with everything they did to bring in everybody. But even with the injuries to Jacob DeGrom and Max Scherzer and just – all the randomness that seems to happen with the team i mean we saw the stuff this just this past week alone where francisco lindor is missing a game because he jammed his finger on a hotel door and now Mac, and then max Scherzer, while on rehab his dog bites him on his non-throwing hand and you just see all these quirky things and yet they're somehow still 37 and 19 37 and 19 this team and it's just it's that was- finally, it finally feels like this is the year where every year we always say yeah the mets are doing fine until they pull a Mets and well, the fact that they haven't yet. And they built enough of a cushion has made it to the point where even if they do have one of their Mets, like moments that they've had in years past, they have, they have an eight and a half game cushion on the Braves and what looks like again, well, more than enough of a cushion with that third wild card spot now. And then the Braves are right. heating up. They're over 500 now. And now the Braves are heating up Ronald Cooney Jr. Back and they're pitching, starting to pick up that just that alone basically puts a stopgap on just about anything else for the rest of the division to try to crack through and then with the Marlins struggling on top of all that it just amplifies it even more
1: the universe is clearly trying to keep the Mets down right now even by Mets standards with all these little freakish accidents but it would be a colossal f-up if they don't at least make the postseason at this point I think it's fair to say even by Mets colossal f-up standards I think at this point with enough of that cushion you talked about eight and a half games I mean Eight and a half games has been overcome. There have been teams that have gotten hot in July and August and and surged past them, but because of what you're saying, I'm, I mean that more in the division race. Like if Atlanta really put it together and really went on a roll, they could still come back and win this division. But, especially with
0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
1: I call it, I I, I still think it's watered down to have that extra wild card spot, but it is what it is. It's there. That should at least get them in the playoffs. I mean, there's no excuse at this point with the kind of talent they have. And it's showing this is the best the Mets have looked in in a while. And, and that's considering some talented rosters that they've had in recent years. But, yeah, I mean, it just shows you again that even with the extra spot where the Martins have dug themselves this hole right now and, and really just the, the circumstances where you don't see the – extended winning streak that it's going to take at least not yet i mean things would have to come together and click guys would have to get healthy fast and i know there's specifics we were going to dive into but you know if if you look at it some of them were some of some of these guys are still ailing right now and some of them are kind of mixing and matching certain rotation spots the one the one bright spot once again has been for the most part has been the starting pitching i mean edward Cabrera's finally up he looked great in the first start Sandy and Pablo look like all-stars right now. But that's where it bottoms out. After that, guessing game, Jesus Lissardo, not that surprisingly, has not been able to get it going again. I was worried about that with the forearm thing. I mean, three pitchers isn't enough. That's not, that's not going to carry you through. You need other, obviously, you need much more than that.
0: No, definitely agree on that. And again, with Jesus Lazardo, I'm at the point where if I if he's back before the all-star break, which again is only about five weeks away, I'd be completely shocked. Since again, no, because now he's gonna have
1: to pull him up again.
0: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And for me, and with some of the other stuff with pitch with the rotation, Marlon's finally optioned Eliezer Hernandez after his latest bad outing, gave up four home runs when they tried to use an opener to maybe calm him down to maybe ease some pressure off him, not even to face the top of the lineup as much. Still gave up four home runs against the Giants. Uh, Braxton Garrett took his spot in the rotation and only threw three and a third innings. First three innings looked really good, especially considering he's just coming off a shoulder injury himself. And then had one bad, had that fourth inning where gave up a couple blue pits, walked a guy, and then his last pitch was just a slider that didn't slide and was taken for a grand slam. We'll see where that spot goes in the rotation. But for me, the bigger concern, even bigger than what Eliezer Hernandez was when he was up here, Trevor Rogers, Again, the guy who, National League Rookie of the Year runner-up last year, you're expecting big things out of him in his second full season. He has a 5'8 ERA right now. He's gone through six innings once, and that was back on April 28th. Four of his 10 or 11 starts, he's given up at least five runs. When you're looking at – when you're looking at it as – for the rotation, they were looking at Sandy, Pablo, and Trevor and hoping Lazardo would be a steady fourth. Lazardo ended up stepping up. Trevor completely regressed. And it's just – it's a matter of – it seems like every time he goes out there, it's something different. It's one day his slider's not working and he can't just rely on the fastball change of combo. Well, some days it's – pretty sure he's, he admitted to tipping pitches at least once so far in one of his starts already this year, which has been a problem in the past as well. And he's just not able to get out of the first inning. He has, I think, three or four different outings where he's taking him at least 30 pitches to get through the first inning. If you can't get the reliability out of him, a guy who you were relying on to get the big outings, that to me is a bigger concern than the guy who you knew in Elias Hernandez, who you knew every fifth start You're like, okay, let's just get something out of him. Yeah. And that yeah. that to me raises the bigger problem, especially now as they continue on here. Edward Cabrera yeah. was fantastic. His first start. Six shutout innings at Coors field. I'll take that in a heartbeat. Let's see what he does on Tuesday against Washington and see right. if he's able to continue that. But if they can get keep Sandy and Pablo keep doing what they're doing, second and third in the National League, fourth Nathan, all of baseball in the ERA, If the two of them keep it up, Edward Cabrera can stay steady. Then it comes down to can Trevor Fix what he needs to fix. And if not, the options down down the minors, once they get healthy, are things going to have to start getting considered as well once you start trying to figure out these final two spots? I mean, uh,
1: no. I mean, the Trevor thing, definitely. Because he's the long-term piece. I mean, who's coming in? We were talking about him as being the the two or the three type guy in that rotation maybe behind Sandy, you know, along with Pablo. And now – I mean, maybe when Carrera comes up, then you consider him maybe like in that three or four mix. But even still, the point is he's he's one of your long-term guys. I mean, your former first round pick who was an all-star. I mean, that's the guy that's one of your long-term pieces. That's why it's a bigger, yeah, Eliezer. And again, still like we talked about before, long relief type, I think, is probably kind of like what you kind of envisioned for him. But Trevor, you had you have not past tense yet you have high hopes that he can be part of it in the long run so it is alarming and especially the signs you talked about you know now this isn't doesn't seem like it's something you know random or a few you know something that happens in a short term like these are things that that need to be addressed and hopefully he can like you said work his way out of it because if not then this is the kind of the thing that you 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 feel like you have this accomplished this accomplished. Still have to work on this. But now it's like, while you fix one thing, poop. here goes the other one. That This is one of those situations where it's going to really hurt them in, in that rotation, I think, in, in terms of depth. But, you know, and right now when you look at it, I mean, yeah, Braxton Garrett just got his shot, but he struggled. And that's, un- that's unfortunate, too, because you look at he's another former first-rounder that you had hopes for, and now he's kind of looking like another maybe – potentially down the road maybe he's another Eliaser type that is only like a a few innings guy maybe not a starter necessarily down the road I mean I don't know from what he's from what he's pitched so far in the majors it hasn't really shown so far so that's a concern as well so but again the offense to me is what in if you if you're if you're putting in the grand scheme of rating the concerns it's more on the offensive side still for me, and that that's what – I don't know if there's an easy fix right now, even when guys get healthy.
0: No, I completely agree. And When you look at their games so far, they've played 52 games. 26 of them, they've scored three runs or fewer. Half of their games, yes. they haven't gotten above the three-run mark, and right. they've only won one, two, three, four, five of those games where they've scored three runs or fewer.
1: Yeah, and, and for for and for the people that love harping on the run differential, that's that's because they bring them in bunches and then yeah. they vanish for longer than that. So,
0: yeah, no, the Marlins, as I have said, at the top, it's either they're going to score seven, eight, nine runs, and it's all going to come in a one or two inning span, or if they scratch across one run, you look at it and go, well, at least they did something; they didn't get shut out.
1: And, and the scoring binges don't really outnumber; they don't outnumber the amount of times that they don't. No, nope, that's, the, that's the other part. No,
0: nope. again, <laughs> that's the problem. It also leads to again, 22 one run game, 22 games yeah. side by one run. And it seems like a lot of those, it's the late and close situations. They're still not producing. They finally got a walk off win. Yes, that's good. They got to display their player of the game helmet, which I'm still trying to figure out the exact storyline behind that. I'm hoping to get that when I'm out at the ballpark this
1: week. You're but, only, you've only seen the helmet once. Why? Because you know, most of those one run games have gone sideways for them. have yep. gone the wrong way.
0: Yep. 7 and 15 in in one run game so far this season. That's yeah. not ideal. That's not ideal. Mm-hmm. It shows that they're close. But again, this is not, they were supposed to be beyond the, oh, we're close mark. That's yeah. what they've been preaching since the, since the offseason. The,
1: the, the quote I used to hear when I was in Tallahassee about Bobby Bowden, when he would say, you lose big, lose close, win close, win big. You thought, though, they were probably a little above the lose close factor. This shows you that they're still firmly in the lose close factor, lose close factor. And when does that, when does that, when do they break through that barrier and get through? I don't. It doesn't look like it's this season,
0: but you know, still, what are we? Twenty-two and thirty, still one hundred and ten to go. One hundred and ten to go. Wow, they're still one hundred and ten to go. Wow. <laughs> Sorry to ruin your afternoon <laughs> on that, but yeah, yeah, no. And then again, you also have to look at the key contributors. Are they contributing? uh brought up this in the story I wrote for the off day piece today. Uh jazz, since he had that little hamstring issue, he's since he's come back eight games, he only gets two hits in those, batting 077. Both those hits came in the 14-1 game against Colorado. So it's he's Filing hitting on yeah. yeah he's hitting 077 at that point. Uh you and you can also see now that He's after he got off to that hot start, he was hitting 290 before the injury. He's on the 240. His OPS dropped almost 100, over 100 points in that in that eight-game span from I think he was on 940 to, to about 830. And offenses or defenses are starting to attack him differently. He's been shifted on about 75% of his play appearances this year. Last year it was about 32%. So you're seeing them use the, you're seeing them use that infielder and shallow right to get the round balls that he's been able to hit from, from decent hits last year. And now he has to find ways to adjust to that on top of the injury, on top of handling, even though I know he probably doesn't get, have to mind that person. He enjoys it, handling the, what comes with being the guy, the face of the team, the one that everybody looks at, but you can tell from his personality that it probably doesn't phase him too much, but there is still that burden that does come, especially when he isn't, especially when he is struggling.
1: But again, year three, yeah, you, and, and really year two, when it, when you talk about a full, full season where he's a starter, where everything, he's still a developing player, as good yeah. as he is. He's still a developing player. I don't fault him for that. That's going to happen. Yeah. You're going to have your rough patches. You're going to have your little bit of regression after a great start. That's That has to fit into the equation. But when you don't have B, C, and yeah. D to compensate for A happening over here, yeah, and of course, and of course, it's going to look like that. It can't all be on him, you know, yeah. at the same time, him or anybody, any of them. Like really, and so I don't fault him for that. That's all part of him. He's still as good as he is, and yeah, he talked about face of the franchise, been thrust into that role very early in his career, but he's still a developing player. He's only in his third his third season, only second full season. So I mean, that that's that's where we're at. You need a a team that's in contention can handle something like that, but right now they're not.
0: Yeah. And the guys, the few guys who normally would be able to pick him up Brian Anderson, Brian Anderson, injured list, back spasms. Joey Wendell, injured list, hamstring again, third time. And then your big boys, as Don Nighting likes to call him, Jorge Soler, his OPS for the season, still only 757. Abasail Garcia, 538 OPS. I'm still trying to figure out exactly what's going on with him. He only has six extra base hits this year, Abasail Garcia, three home runs, three doubles. That's, that to me is still a head scratcher of how that's been playing out so far this season. That to me is probably the biggest of the acquisitions. That's still the one that I'm still trying to but, figure but out what's unfor- going wrong there.
1: But unfortunately, when you look at his track record, he's had years that—I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't know the numbers in front of me of how bad—but he's had down years like this. So they're getting they're getting that obviously El Garcia more than anything else, and and that's the gamble when you get such high-low type you know, production type players, you know I mean? Solera was like that early on too, where it was giving you nothing other than the occasional tape measure blast, you know, and and that's where, again, I know we, we we brought up the sore spot last week about what could have been, but, you know, I'm just going to say that whole two for one rationale, the two aren't,
0: aren't, it's not as,
1: it's not as a rosy picture as it could have been, but Hey, that's in the past.
0: Yep, that is in the past. Uh, should we shift the minor leagues? I think we've more or less covered what we need to cover with this with this club. With the big league, yeah, we got go to go to uh, your
1: your 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 less and less under the radar by the week uh, prospect there.
0: Yeah, Mr. By the, Troy. By the game at this point feels like yeah, Troy Johnston. Yeah. What a what a heck of a two and a half weeks it's been for him. Let me actually pull up the full numbers. I know this last week alone he hit six twenty five for Pensacola for. Give me two seconds to actually pull up that file. That Mr. Troy Johnston,
1: who uh, was in a very good spot. For those of you that know who Troy Johnston is, who have followed this and others talking about and writing about him, he's in a good situation because that that at first base is not really a loaded spot. I mean, most teams, it's not that loaded in systems anyway, but at the Marlins, it's – I mean, other than after Lewin Diaz, it's a golden opportunity for him to, yeah. to seize it and, and come up in the system. So
0: Yeah, so Troy, his finally I have all the numbers up here, uh, hits yeah. in 18 of his last 19 games going back to basically the beginning of May, May 8th, 430 batting average, 34 for 79, with four home runs, seven doubles, one triple, 19 RBI, and 17 runs over those 19 games. That also includes a run over his last 11 games. He has multiple hits in nine of those. Including three games with three hits, two games with four hits. And yeah. he was also part of all three of Pensacola's walk off ninth inning walk-off rallies that we mentioned at the top of the episode. He including hit the walk-off the insane one. Yeah, he hit the walk-off single in the on in Friday's game. He hit a game tying home run in the Saturday game. That was his second home run of that game. And then he was the leadoff guy who reached on the fielding error before four of his four of his five teammates after him got hit by pitches.
1: Yeah. In order to ball, okay. Needing to get out putting the ball in play, though. Yeah. Again, from seeing the ball well and everything.
0: Yep. yep. And then on the season, and again, it's not so on, in that stretch, he's hitting 440. The, over, overall in the season, he's saying 312 with five home runs and 26 ribbies. And it's been just a continuation of what he did last year. He had success in the ball in Jupiter and Beloit last year. He hit 300 there between those two levels, hit for the cycle in one game in Beloit. Uh, Went to the fall league and hit just about 300 there. He's a guy who, he has the power, but he focuses more on getting the ball in play and basically using the gaps more so than just relying solely on his power. And again, and also with the first base thing, he just started adjusting the first base last year. He was an outfielder originally when he was at Gonzaga and when he was drafted in the 17th round by the Marlins out in the 2019 draft. They moved him to first base, which again, as Andre mentioned, there really aren't too many options for the Marlins in terms of big league potential in the minor leagues. At this point, you have Lewin Diaz, Harar and Carnacion has sort of been a outfielder, first baseman hybrid. And then you have Troy Johnson at this point, which also yeah. gives you a little bit more of options as we talked about with the developmental stage. And as we get to this little thing called the trade deadline coming up you look at the guys who are your first baseman options in the big leagues, If you want to potentially flip a guy, a Jesus Aguilar, who's in the final year of his deal with a mutual option, but mutual options are rarely agreed upon by by both sides. Or if you want to flip a Garrett Cooper, who hitting 302 is starting to get into his groove and knock on wood has stayed healthy all year. And you want to try and maximize what you can get from him while his value is high this way. And this also gives you a chance to bring late Diaz up, you have somebody else, you have your next person weighing in the wings who isn't too far away and it right. gives you those options to, or if you want to use Troy Johnson as a sweetener in a pa- in a trade package right. while his value is going up you yeah. have that option as well it gives you gives them a it gives them a few yeah, more have, routes they can take
1: right you have plenty of options there a lot more wiggle room that you normally wouldn't have had and that that's why and that's why you love having org depth and in, 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 in all spots I mean even spots like first base where you know not to call it like a throwaway or anything but like you A lot of times you see cases like that where guys can be converted, you know, from, you know, either a catcher or an outfielder, you name it, and play the position. But if you have a guy excelling like this, because even Harar, like you said, I mean, he's not truly, truly a first baseman. He's learning it and he's playing it. But in this case, Johnston, not so much, but it seems like he's excelling and he's thriving at it. So, yeah, I mean. I'm curious to see what they do next with him if he keeps this going. I mean, is he is he saying hi to Scampy pretty soon or 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 what? I mean,
0: well, he, I think the problem with, I think the problem with him visiting Scampy is they need to wait for Leywin Diaz to visit Billy in order for Troy to be able to visit Scampy. Well,
1: yeah, yeah. I'm saying yeah. that at, at that point when we at get there. Point, yes. that at that the point, yes, at that point yes, that
0: would be the logical progression there. It would be once Lewin is up one assume. way or the other, then Troy would be the logical guy to go up to AAA to start playing first base up there. Yeah,
1: But again, so you, it's a matter of you, yeah.
0: what happens with the roadblock that's in front of him right now with right. both Garrett Cooper and Hages but Aguilar. They have to figure that probably, out. Yeah.
1: It probably won't be till the deadline or around yeah. the deadline or, or at whenever point, if ever point, yeah. this type of move you were talking about a minute ago would happen. And then because that will open the door. And then at yeah. that point, assuming – he continues on his trajectory, the way he's going right now, and he keeps progressing the way he's doing. So it, it, it's a good problem. That's one good problem to have for them at that level, you know, and again, at a spot like that.
0: Yep. And then just since we're on the first base and topic, Levin Diaz also hit three home runs this past week for AAA, eight RBI, a double, 370 average, 1134 OPS, casually leading the jumbo strip with 12 home runs, which Can't is, wait. which is, and that's, I mean, again, he's only tied for ninth in all of AAA home runs. Yeah, I'll just I'll stop there. And plays yeah, really no, good, de- and plays really good defense.
1: Matter of time. Yep. Matter of time. We know this. So.
0: Yep. And then just a few other quick hits on the minor league front. JJ Blayde his 10th home run of the season again. He's only two behind late win in terms of home runs. Hmm. Did that on Saturday. It was part of a three-hit day. Uh your weekly update on Yuri Perez struck out six while giving up two two runs, both of which were on solo home runs in four, over hmm. four innings of work. He's at 379 ERA with 56 strikeouts against nine walks over 38 innings so far in Double A this year. And the Bloyd Skycarp, once again, love the nickname change, the name change that we got this year. They had seven of their regulars all hit either 300 or above this week. Uh, the leading guy, uh, Yanmano Mar- Marines, who the Marlins sign is an international guy from their international draft class in 2017. He led the group with a 385 average, two home runs and uh, six runs scored. A few of the guys who are on the top 30 prospect list, Kobe Morissette f- went 350 with a home run and six and six runs scored. Uh he's up to I think six or seven home runs this year, which is honestly surprising me because he seemed he was more of a contact type guy. And the fact that he's showing mm-hmm. some power too, that's a good sign for one of their lower level infielders. Will Bamfield, who has seemed to have fallen to the wayside. He hit 333 with six RBI and seven runs scored this week. Uh Nassim Nunez 333 average four runs. And with him, we talked hmm. about the glove and the fact that if he can just find ways to just to get on base and show that he can do something with the bat, that's gonna be yeah. a plus because he is a he is the glove first type guy. And yeah, and then a couple other guys, Dalvi Rosario, Marcus Chu, and Bennett Hostelter were the others who hit. 300 or above. So, boy, to see, yeah. I mean, to see seven guys from the same team all the 300 or above in the same week, that's again, it's a one week thing. But to see a full lineup do that to me, it, that it was must, pretty eye popping when I was going through everything for my, uh, it, week, it must week not, it must,
1: it must not be as cold anymore up there.
0: Yeah. Finally hitting the summer.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, but in all, in all seriousness, the N- scene part stood out to me too because that, that we talked about that. Uh, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but. That's good to see. And it, it looks like he's continuing to, to make progress up there. And you want to see the bat come around because we, you know what you know what you get everywhere else with him. So hopefully hopefully, you can keep it going.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode of Fish Bites. Thanks so much again for tuning in. We'll be back again next week to recap the Marlins series with the Nationals and the first part of their three-leg road trip. I'll be out there for all three legs in Houston, Philly, and New York. Uh, It's going to be a long one, going to be a busy one. Uh, With that, uh, we'll be back again next week. Thanks so much, everyone.